Good morning and welcome to the program. I'm your host, George Rideout, and as always, working the soundboard is Lynn. And while we got a kind of a special show for you here today, as uh, a lot of our listeners know, we had our Pledgerama, geez, how long ago now? About a month. Yeah, September. God, I was going to say like a month ago. <laughs> it's been like, <laughs> I don't do time well. I never have. But uh, uh, we had uh, a number of w- winners, and uh, one of those winners was uh, one of our favorite guests, Ray Buteau, and he won the uh, guest host uh, uh, slot. And uh, so we have Ray with us today. Uh, Ray is an author of two books, No Longer Lonely and Those in Power. Welcome to the program, Ray. Thank you very much, George. It's awesome to have you on. Now, one of, one of the things for the for that uh, uh, special um, uh, uh, present, I guess, uh, gift or um, show of support is is to have a listener kind of come on the program with a guest of their choice, and because it, it kind of you never you never know what that's going to bring, right? So, it, and it's kind of interesting, and it also gives the uh, uh, the listener an opportunity to be a co-host on the program and to ask questions and to, you know, try and, uh, you know, talk to someone that they're interested in and and uh, and and have fun with that and, and share. So uh, uh, Ray has come up with uh, an amazing guest and we've we've, we've heard of Alex um, over the years from a, a mutual friend and uh, timing, of course, is what it is and and uh so our our other in studio guest is and i'm gonna butcher his last name but i'll, I'll give it a shot uh alex shalin shalinier exactly am i close yes you're good all right, all right. man i did it good the first time he's kind yeah yeah he's kind uh and uh, uh alex is uh the head instructor at aeromance here in the peg and Alex has uh, a pretty uh, amazing background. Uh, he's got like 27 years experience in soul and body work. He's done some Buddhist meditation with Soigyal. I probably just totally butchered that too. Uh, Rinpoche, who is the author of the Tibetan Book of Living and the Dead, or Living and Dying. He studied aromatherapy and Egyptian massage through aromatherapy Fundamental Research Laboratories. He then went into emotional homopathy with the training of Dr. Bach Flower Remedies, which I definitely want to ask him about. And then he broadened his uh, meditations through the Academy of Parapsychology in Montpellier, France. Now, that sounds interesting, too. We could definitely want to talk about that. Uh, Alex arrived here in Canada in 1999. Uh, to kind of uh, expand his awareness in meditation and kind of brought him to the Monroe Institute out of Virginia and the United States. And some of you may know a little bit of that. We've had uh, uh, a number of people on uh, about the Monroe Institute. And uh, there he became a hemi-sync instructor. Uh, Alex is a lifelong student and today he's learning about orchids, soul, homopathy, which again we're going to talk about. And uh, and and one of the things that Alex is doing right now, which I think is really cool, and uh, to me one of the uh, types of heroes, because uh, I've worked in extended care in my youth, and I know how how difficult and uh, hard it can be working in palliative care, and. Um, 
yeah, it, those are heroes that uh, that do that because that can be very emotionally, spiritually, and uh, it can be quite draining. And uh, but at the same time, amazingly rewarding. Um, so we're happy to have uh, Alex here with us. Welcome to the program, Alex. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Okay. Now, first, I want to ask Ray. When uh, when you won the uh, uh, co-host special co-host, and uh, I know we talked about it, and I was like, okay, no, but whoever, if we can get who you want, uh, you know, we'll definitely make the effort. So uh, I'm wondering what it was that brought you to Alex, and why you chose to to uh, get in touch with Alex. Um, you may remember that um, after my experience at the Monroe Institute in uh, October of 2014. I had the opportunity of sharing once or twice with you about those experiences. And you were saying that uh, we should really do a um, uh, program on this. I would really like to interview you. We uh, were thinking of different ways of doing it outside or in all kinds of things. Uh, but the opportunity just never presented itself. And then when I won this gift, uh, I thought, oh, great, I can kill two birds with one stone here. <laughs> I can get somebody who actually can explain better than me what takes place at the Monroe Institute. And if there's any technical um, um, explanation on anything, he's going to be able to do it much better than me. Yeah. And somebody who's experienced it, as I have. And um, so I thought, hey, if he um, agrees to this, It'll be great. So I, too, thank you, Alex, for accepting the invitation from both of us. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And, and I think you're right. It, it, it really is, a, you know, to have somebody with, the, with Alex's kind of expertise on this thing and then to, to share your experiences through it, uh, it it's a wonderful uh, uh, experience and time to do it. So now, now maybe, Alex, uh, give us a little bit of background on yourself. What, what got you into all this uh, uh, parapsychology and meditation and, and uh, all these uh, experiences? Well, I think originally I don't think I tried to go into it. I thought that everybody was uh, um, like that. Everybody had like uh, a connection somehow. And so this morning in my shower, I was I was actually thinking how how long it's been now. And actually, it's I it's exactly forty years. Wow! At the age of six, so now in my age, so six I. Um, um, I had some visitation of energy beings who uh, started to talk about what I was going to be doing in my life and so it started like that but I, I didn't um, thought it was special or it was for me it was just hey hi it was just normal part of life yeah part of life I understood later in my life that actually not everybody had those type of uh, um, experiences it was quite a shock actually and so it's it's I will say it's it was always with me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know it's interesting we had uh, a guest on years ago uh, or we've had him on close to half a dozen times over the years uh, he was a, a, a NASA scientist and he had a lot of lucid dreams when he was a youngster, around that same age, five, six, maybe even younger. And uh, his mother always thought it was, she was like ultra, ultra religious, but it, and I think in a fundamental way. And uh, it was telling him, you know, that's like evil and demons and devils and all this kind of stuff. And so he kind of, you know, shifted out of it. But after 
working in NASA for like 25, 27 years. He worked on a space station, the shuttle, all kinds of different things. He kind of went back into it, and he wrote this amazing little book called Soul Traveler. But he kind of said the same thing, where it was these types of experiences that happened. He was very young, thought it was, you know, very common and similar for everybody, but learned later that it's not so common. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then kind of went back to it again. So for you, were you like, you were always in it? It wasn't like a So when I discovered that actually it was that not everybody had that, and I discovered that a couple of years later, um, I, um, I wanted to become normal, to try to be just like a normal kid. Yeah. But it was really difficult because I had like a lot of psychic experiences and I don't like them to call gift. Um, but it was like lots of experiences and I just wanted them to stop. Yeah. And I we can say pray them away and it did work for uh, some period of time and then I felt that something was missing. So later when I was around uh, 13, around 13, 14, so I really wanted them back. And um, and so it's it's where really we can say my journey as a normal person trying to to get in touch with their own self and their spiritual self really started. Yeah, yeah, cool. I mean, for me, it was, I was about 12 when my first mentor kind of came into my life and, you know, started to show that spiritual side. And, and much, I think, like both of you, I kind of had interesting experiences when I was a kid. I used to have a lot of animal experiences. And, uh, you know, they'd find me in a in a burnt-out stump with a raccoon family that wouldn't let me wouldn't let anyone else in but i'm in there with the cubs and the babies and the raccoons wouldn't let anyone else in i used to have a bobcat as a pet for a number of years tom i remember i'd whenever i'd get in trouble and tom was bigger than me at the time i would hold on to tom and uh, my parents would try and you know whack me or something or you know put me in timeout or whatever when i was a kid and all i'd have to do is hold on to tom and he wouldn't let them near me so it was hilarious eh? But, um, you know, I do find it interesting on, you know, walking a, a, on, a, on a spiritual path, um, how prevalent it is that these kind of, for lack of better definition, I'll just call them peak experiences, these peak experiences happen throughout our, you know, through our lives mm-hmm. from a very early stage. Um, so what, what brought you to the Rinpoche? Um, this is a good question. Um, and you were in France, right? Was that where, yes, was that I was in France. So, so I started my life in in well, well, you can see in Bordeaux, and I was uh, talking, always talking. People were coming to me naturally, and I was often answering or giving some little lecture. I was seventeen. On Buddhism, but I did I had no clue at that time that it's what I was doing. I, I was just talking from my heart, and it was just natural. And and one day there was a woman who um, brought me to a house and she said, "You know, like you explained to me, like in a couple of sessions, more than." And she opened the door and there was a, a room full of book of Buddhism. And she said, "You know what you are talking? It's about Buddhism." And I said, mm-hmm. "Oh, okay. Well," she said you need to maybe look f- into towards that. So, so that's why I did some um, 
I'm work a little bit and um, I end up in the south uh, Montpellier and so then it's where I found my first teacher really uh, and I, I, I started to learn more now mm, somehow I think we all have uh, unconsciously uh, somehow a path and so um, the the death at that time into the teaching of Buddhism was attracting me a lot, even if it was, it, it was quite interesting. So the book is really split into two. You have like the first one that is about living, and after that you have death. And when I arrived to death, the death part, I couldn't start reading. Mm. And I, it was like, it was not the time, but at the same time it was like, attracting me like it was it was really important and it's actually in that town that I had my first palliative care help um, that I gave started to give help to people who were dying wow it, wow at that age and uh, interesting how old was I I was in high school I graduated when I was 17 and I did it for two years so I would have been 16 myself when I started working in the, in the extended care ward mm -hmm. in, in the hospital and uh, close to where I, I lived at the time in Alberta um yeah, uh, uh, interest. So you were sharing the works of Buddhism without knowing. Yeah, that it without was knowing. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So w would you would you call yourself like an old soul then? Um, yes, I think I'm an old soul. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's one of the other things that uh, is very across the board mm -hmm. for people that are you know that are kind of walking that life you know one of the i traveled with this old elder medicine person for a lot of years billy Mesa, who's uh, since passed on um, one of his favorite sayings was goes with the territory goes with the territory go billy why this goes with the territory yeah but why is it so lonely sometimes goes with the territory yeah but why is it so different goes with the territory it was always one of his matches goes with the territory um but yeah i i do think it's uh um like you said, it, there's certain like guideposts mm -hmm. along the way, and uh, I, I I don't know if we, you know, some people talk about you know we we make this contract before we come here. I don't know about that because um, I do believe in like free thought and and free spirit. So I'm not sure about that, but I do think that there are guideposts along the way, mm -hmm. and uh, I I think too that that's kind of what deja vu is. And deja vu is kind of like that a sign that you're at the right place at the right time kind of thing mm -hmm. but uh so from from the Rinpoche then where did you go after the Rinpoche so after that so I uh so I um I was already having my own little studio where I was uh um doing cards for people and uh, uh things like that I went to so the Academy of Parapsychology in, in Montpellier where I started to learn. So there we, we did learn like a, f um, not in deep, but a lot of different philosophy and religion. And actually it was really a gift because even today I really believe that there was not one way. Mm. There was so many ways. Yeah. And I will even say more. I believe that it's important to know a little bit of every way because it's like a big puzzle with keys or doors that are locked with keys. And you need to go through a little bit of everything to to get the key to open each door. And then you can have the real picture. That's a good point. 
Yeah, because it, 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 it's like a puzzle. Yeah. And you get little pieces from everywhere. Yeah. You know, I've, I've always thought um, or wondered, did, do you find, because, you know, living in, in Europe and Canada, that the, how would, you, how would I phrase that? That the collective spirituality is different in Europe than it is in Canada, or is it similar? Well, it's totally different. And actually, a lot of people might be surprised at what I'm going to say, but it's um, uh, in Canada, it's a lot more, um, I will not say advanced, but a lot more free, more, it's different. So in, in Europe, um, it's the old way of thinking and and even spirituality, um, it's more like a, um, not witchcraft, but it's it's more like really uh, about spirits, about really medium, about like things pa- like that. Pagan, pagan, or, pagan yeah. more than really um, even like if you go to Buddhism or all those things, like the energy is a little bit like you can feel an ancient. Um, uh, ancient, I would say, but not automatically in a positive way because here you are, I arrived here and it's like, wow, like it's like free and so you can be more in contact with yourself and your true self Then there you have all those layers that you go need mm-hmm. to go through mm-hmm. to be able to start to see a little bit of, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I wonder too if it's like the density, like in Canada, it's so open, right? Because it's so huge. But then France, I, I know it's fairly big for Europe, but the density of people. There was the people, but there was also the energy of the building. When you enter in a building yeah. here, it's like, well, it's, it's fairly new. Even yeah. if your house is 100 years it's old, it's like fairly new. You arrive there and so you can feel the, all the, the energy. Even if you're not energy sensitive, you, yeah. you, it's, you can feel it. There was lots that went through. Yeah, I, and I, I like that feeling. Even now, I still get it. I, I lived for a couple of years in Amsterdam when I graduated high school. And uh, even now, I'll still get like a smell or, or something. I'll see a, a postcard or picture or something or, you know, something on TV or something that takes me back to that place. And I get that, that sense of feeling of how it felt and the smells. And it's, it's totally different. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different feel. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. And that's why I was, you know, I've always been interested in the difference between the collective spirituality. Because at the time when I was there, I was, you know, I was like, I just turned 18, so I was quite young. Um, but over the years, I'm like, Jesus, it has to be different because it's a, it's a whole different, you know, we, we may not have the old buildings that do give off a certain energetic, you know, feeling and atmosphere. But we have a kind of a different, when you, when you bring in like the First Nations people and the natives, it's, it's as older, older, but uh, at least as and but it's a different you know it's not so much in the buildings it's more in in other areas i guess mm-hmm. you can say so and then after that now this is kind of going to be our, our 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 main focus or i don't know main but a, a grand focus is on the mineral institute and um so uh, after uh the the academy of parapsychology you then came to Canada in 1999. Yes, and the way I, I, it happened is that um, my partner at the time, so both his parents died in a car accident. 
and he was quite young and uh, he was not religious uh, and but he was extremely affected he was like uh, in his 20s early 20s and it was really difficult and he was really really close to his parents and he really wanted to uh, connect with their spirit somehow. So he started to read lots of books, and so we had tons of them in, in, in France for sure, about how to connect with spirits and, and ghosts and all those things. And uh, I don't remember the name of the book or the, the, the monk, but there was like a, a priest, uh, uh, a Catholic priest, I believe, that wrote a book on how to connect with spirits. And in it, so uh, they, he was talking about the Monroe Institute. And I said, hmm, sounds really interesting. So this is where it was probably in 1998, uh, 97, 98. And so uh, we moved to to, uh, to Vancouver. And as soon as I, I uh, arrived, I said, okay, let's go to, to meet uh, the Monroe Institute, things that I did. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you met, I, I had a friend, she's a... Uh or she was a psychology professor at the college I went to in BC, and she went on a sabbatical uh, one summer and went down to Virginia. And that would have been mid '80s to late '80s, and just at the time when the what was his name, McGonagall, mm-hmm. came through with the C, you know the CIA, and yeah, she she was really. Freaked out because she learned later that they were um, recording, without their knowledge, some of their experiences. Yes, at, at, at Monroe, and so she even to this day, like I'm not going to mention her name because even at this day, she's like, "Don't say anything about me. Don't let. I don't want them to know where I live. I don't want them to know because she she was she kind of freaked out, but she really she loved it." And uh, she then became, she went through the, uh, the gateway program and then uh, became an instructor for a short time. She would go back periodically and stay there for two, three months and go through with people. And um, she had some pretty, pretty cool stories. And, and that's when she, we were talking off the air a bit. And uh, that's when she gave me the uh, uh, Focus 15 and Focus 21. Mm-hmm. And at the time, at that time, I think, Focus 21 was the highest free flow. And then um, now it's... And I remember she she told a story. And we're, we'll go to break. And then when we come back, we'll, we'll get more into the Monroe Institute in more detail. Um, she told a story that in one of her journeys, she went to... She thought it was Focus 31 or 36? Something like that. Somewhere in the 30s. She said she came back, she came out, and she went to Robert Monroe and said, I just went to, like, focus, th- I'll just say focus 31, it could be more. But uh, I went to focus, and he was like, no way, you can't. It was like, I think at the time, focus 28 or something like that was the highest at the time. He said, no, you can't go past the, the God part. And she's like, no, I went to, like, focus I'm, I'm 31. And he's like, no way, you can't. Anyway, now it's, like, up to 
Jeez, I don't even know, like 50s or 60s or something. Well, right now we go even past that. We, we, there is some experiences, and so they don't really give you the, the exact uh, focus that they try to, to to use, but it's something like 102 or something wow. like that. Yeah. So wow. do, do, do they still have the, like, the free flows, like focus fifth, uh, 21 yeah. and 15? Yeah. And yeah, right now the, the highest that you get in, when you go to a program is focus 42. Wow. Wow, you know, at the Moral Institute you go f- uh, beyond that, but so they give you focus forty two uh, when you go. Right, she home. had a tough time coming back. Yeah, she, that's what she said. Yeah, she had a tough time coming. She didn't want to come back. Yeah, one of the uh, uh, what do you call it? One of the main parts, it seems, of your journey is a lot of it is related to healing of some type or another, whether it's mm-hmm. healing spirit or physical or whatever, uh, which which I think is cool. Uh, welcome back to the program. You're listening to Sacred Space here on CJUM 101.5 FM out of Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. We're sitting here uh, this morning in studio with author Ray Buteau, who won our uh, co-host and uh, uh, pick a guest contest. And, uh, and our guest, thanks to Ray, is uh, Alex... <laughs> Chalinier, <laughs> right? I, did I get it? <laughs> I think I think Alex has been really kind to me. Um, but uh, and I think that one of the things that uh, Ray spoke on earlier was was um, his experience uh, at the Monroe Institute, and um, and then Alex having worked with them, and and you called it something that I, I'd never heard of before, and that was a uh, how, how, how did you call it? Uh, a professional um, yes. member yes. of the Mineral Institute. Yeah. What ex- what exactly is that? So, um, well, I, at that time, I, I didn't know. Uh, but so, like I was saying, so I uh, when I started the Mineral Institute, so uh, from 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 Vancouver, uh, I I didn't speak a word of English. When I arrived from France, so I was really interested to go to the Mono Institute, but that was the barrier language. So I found the Mono Institute like a, a trainer in Montreal. So I went in Montreal, and I was extremely lucky because that week our teacher was Laurie Monroe. Uh-huh. So uh, everything was translated, of course, but. Um, so she was my teacher for a week, and it was this was like really like really an amazing uh, gift. And it's where I did quickly understood that if I wanted to go, uh, I was so thirsty for of learning everything that I had to go and quickly learn the, um, in Virginia and so in English. So when I arrived there, so uh, how, how long how long after the Montreal? Oh, really quickly, like. Uh, Probably two months later, I went wow. directly to, to Virginia. It was really an incentive for me to speak English. I was going to say, like, <laughs> holy crap. <laughs> and so I went there. And so it's where I took the second program that is called Guideline. And, uh, and then I met with a lot of people. And I was uh, then uh, in Vancouver. I opened like a, a little store where I became like an emissing... Uh, I could sell Emisync, and um, at that time, so Emisync and the Institute was just really one company. We'll say it was two, but on the same same roof. And so, they I, I understood all the 
corners of the Monroe Institute. So you have like the the people who are teaching at the Monroe Institute. You have the people who are teaching outside the Monroe Institute that are called outreach trainers. And then you have so the uh, professional division. So the professional division originally were the ones who were doing some research, a lot of research for the Monroe Institute. And still, it's still the case. It did a little bit uh, slip for just after Robert Monroe died, but so um, recently it really came back really strongly. Every year, so there is like uh, still at the Monroe Institute a big convention, we'll say, uh, for the professional division, where everybody, so during the year, will have like uh, their own research. And so me, I became like quickly a professional member because I was really interested in palliative care. So it's where I, I took the work of Elizabeth Kudler Ross mm -hmm. and um, and um, Robert Monroe and Charles Tart, and I brought that to Winnipeg in Riverview, and I started my own research on death and dying. Oh wow, wow, yeah, man, Elizabeth Kudler Ross, you can't get uh, any higher than that when it comes to that area. I mean, mm -hmm. she's the she's the top of the top of the ladder there. Wow, that's pretty cool, um, and and. I, I guess for your English, it was just because you like were totally immersed. Oh yeah, that yeah. you had you had no in Vancouver for sure. There was no really French speaking people, yeah. so you had to learn quickly. Now, when you when you first went to uh, uh, Virginia, what year roughly was that? I will say maybe nineteen ninety. Wow. Okay, so that was uh, that was a while ago. Wow, wow. Now uh, that that brings us to uh, uh, to Ray here. Um, you know, I, I, I've been waiting to hear. Ray has been pretty. Um, what would be the word? Pretty, pretty, pretty quiet about. Well, not just not just this morning, but but um, pre pretty quiet about his whole mineral. I've been trying to like dredge it out of him, but it's been kind of like pulling teeth about about his mineral uh, uh, experience. He's like, no, 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 no. We're gonna do a show on it. We got we got to we got to have more time. I we got to no, no. I can't. Uh, so so I, I I'm now. Uh, uh, pretty much going to turn it over to Ray and uh, and say, okay, uh, um, tell us uh, your experience and, and share it with Alex and uh, um, ask him uh, what you need to ask him. Well, first of all, I want to thank you, Alex. I uh, think that for me, it gives, having you present all that you've had done gives um, a validation of who you are and why you can do what you're doing here in this city. People know of the Monroe Institute. They hear of the people who are there. But when they hear they can be offered here, the first thing they're going to ask is, who is he? What experience has he? And who is he to do this? You've really articulated this very, very well. But actually, I think it's, it's great. It's the way our society works. But I think I, I told you uh, at some point, I think it's extremely sad because uh, even when I started, I was really young and I, th I was thinking when I will be able to, when will be able to, to, to teach really officially 
do I need to wait that I'm 40? And, and today I look at young people like 20 who have like amazing uh, power uh, of remembering and teaching and they cannot teach because yes they, they didn't have like yet like went through like this school or that school and so yes I'm, I'm happy to today that I can but that there is a lot of young people and sometimes even your son or your daughter who could really teach you a lot if you let them but aren't are don't have the check mark beside yes. the, the box by their name yeah. as as whatever now uh, yeah, sorry um but the thing the thing that that, that kind of hit me because um Sometimes in Canada, we can be pretty conservative about this type, especially when it comes to uh, the spiritual realm. Um, I'll just say it. Did, did, you, did you ever get in trouble from the Monroe Institute for uh, teaching? Or like, if you're not like a, a quote professional member, um, can you, you know, and you're out there and you're selling the tapes and you're, you know, helping people and giving workshops and lectures and stuff, did they ever go, cease and desist well um, I'm not sure if they ever did that uh, into some people um, but in my case me, I'm a professional member from the Mormon Institute so it allows me to so, teach right. and I'm also like an official official store like as the company like Amy Sink so I am allowed to um, and they are really happy to uh, sell th their products. Yeah, yeah. Now, and, and I, w I want to make sure that people understand uh, what Hemisync is. So, what what it, what exactly is Hemisync? And uh, like I know it works with the brain waves yeah. and stuff with it with the brain. It stands for Hemisync synchronization. So we have two hemispheres. So it's about sound that will. Um, uh, balance your right and left hemisphere. The left hemisphere is about uh, thinking, calculating, and the right hemisphere is about more um, imagination and creativity. So uh, in our daily life, in our society, we use a, a lot more, to not say often just only, the left brain. And so to access uh, not just in spirituality, but in your learning, as we are at Emising, we are we have like a, a sound to learn faster or to to do not only like spiritual things, yeah, quit and smoking, so, whatever. Yes, so you need it, it's a lot more effective if you use both of your hemispheres. Yeah, yeah, and, and like I, I remember when I, when I did the uh, Focus Twenty One, and I, I don't, you know, I never done any kind of research or anything like that, but for me. Uh, it, it became a real healing um, avenue, or, or that it was really good for for, for healing. Is that does uh, have you had any kind of experience with focus as being uh, as being that? Well, so every, as soon as you start to do some some work, uh, um, it, it will it will happen. The healing Just will happen. Now people need to understand. So yes, we are using uh, numbers. It was easier uh, uh, to to define uh, when we were talking. So the numbers are from one to forty nine, and so. They are divided in three locals that we call the call one, two, three. One would be here, this physical existence. Two would be the between the death, the death part, and three would be the advanced non-spiritual, uh, advanced spiritual life. And so, one to twenty-one, your brain goes there all the time. We are not 
um, giving you a magic sound mm. or a place that your brain is going to discover. Your brains go 1 to 21 by cycle of 90 minutes at night all the time. And so in the medical system, it's called stage sleep. But so you go like from 1 to 21 all the time. Now, what we do at, at with Sync or like with 21 or any, any, any of those ones, it's like now you are learning how to use your brain to use your 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 consciousness it would be a little bit like um you are driving uh, people are driving automatic okay cars and so they learn to to manual to shift and so now they can they will be able to use the the each gears uh to for specific uh task mm-hmm uh, I like the analogy too because it's a shift. It's mm-hmm. like you're shifting, right? Shifting mm-hmm. gears, you're shifting consciousness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so now it, it works with the brain waves. And is there trying to get a specific brain wave to find, like you're trying to get the thetas or the yes. betas? Or yes, and this is the the their magic potion uh, secret where they are layering. Uh, compared to a, a lot of other companies who are doing already some uh, binaural um, audios, uh, the Monroe Institute and Amy Sink, they have like the a magic formula, we'll say, where they are layering, they know how to layer, and it's a lot more mm-hmm. often powerful than most of, of the other one. And I'm not specifically, a, uh, if tomorrow there is something better, I will say, oh, there is something better. Yeah. We tried, I'm constantly open to, to, to look for better and more, but still, we always come back to the anything. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, I find it quite amazing in the short time that, I, that I've used it. I haven't used it in a lot of years. But um, I did find it very interesting and, uh, and, and works much like I, I, I hurt my back in 1990 at work. The uh, type of work I was doing in BC, I was a trailblazer in the parks and rec. And um, one of the things at the rehabilitation clinic that we went through was biorhythm. And so I understand how biorhythm works. And once you got the little machine in front of you and you see, you relax and you see the numbers go down. And so you, then you don't need the machine anymore because you, you know how it works. And I'm thinking that over the years of doing a hemisync, it's very similar. That maybe in the beginning, you can answer whether this is right or wrong, um, you know, you, you, you need to have the, the music on or, or to be able to shift the brain waves later on do you even need it anymore no yeah. because from 1 to 21 and even after actually even 27 and and 35 42 and 49 you, for sure you, your brain uh, learn it's like going to the gym to learn a new um, movement your um, your brain will learn the pathways and and then you will be able to repeat them for sure yeah interesting okay I am so uh, I, I, I've been waiting patiently you gotta admit I've been very patient. Uh, I want to I hear some of your uh, uh, experiences, uh, Ray, uh, during your uh, mineral time. And, uh, um, and uh, so, uh, come on. You know what this is teaching me? There's a time to be quiet and there's a time to talk. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, with my uh, guest... Uh, what I'm finding amusing is that uh, when George and I are alone, George has a hard time talking. And now with you, 
<laughs> but I've also said for you to uh, to um, come into the conversation, and please continue to do that, Alex, because you've explained things that there is no way that I was going to be able to do this for the Monroe Institute. My experience with the Monroe Institute is about as basic as it comes. It goes into the gateway. But it was, for me, it was the most important experience for me and changing for me for my life. Um, I'm going to take this back a little bit. Um, and I'm going to experience, uh, share an experience I had here. In 1977, um, it was a year before my ordination to the priesthood, and I was in Stead, Manitoba, which is uh, near Grand Beach and um, north of Winnipeg. And um, I was um, out there on weekends with a family that I knew that had a cottage there. And one afternoon, around 5 o'clock in the afternoon, it was a sunny day, I walk onto the outside of the cottage, and I'm mesmerized by something I'm seeing across the highway. And I'm just staring at this thing. And the uh, members came out, and they said, Ray, what are you looking at? And all I said to them was, tell me if you see something over there. So they, they, and they were saying, oh my gosh, we were all looking at exactly the same thing and identifying it the same way and speaking about it the same way. In comparison to the size of the trees, this was a humongous craft, a UFO. It was uh, disc shape. It was sort of an orangish color. And along the um, um, circumference of the, um, the craft were very, very bright lights. Now, um, I'm... My, myself and one of the uh, children, we ran into the field to go towards the highway, and this craft was on the other side of the highway. As we're running into the field, all of a sudden this craft took off on a 45-degree angle. And then all of a sudden it went off on another 45-degree angle, and as it was going in that direction, it disappeared. Now, we were just left there, and I had heard about things like this, and I had never believed them. And I had a friend at the time, his first name was Larry. He was avid into UFOs. He was always talking about UFOs. And I really didn't want to talk about them because I didn't believe in them, and I really wasn't interested. And so I wasn't going, there was an awful lot of sightings, and uh, CBC at the time was doing a documentary, and uh, people were calling in about all of their experiences and what they had seen, similar and different things, and so there were a lot, a lot of sightings at that time. And I wasn't going to say anything, because it was a year before my ordination, and I wasn't taking any chances. And also, he wasn't going to say anything, the, the, the man of the family, because he was a principal of a school. So both of us were going to keep shut on this one. But as um, uh, when I went back and I talked to my friend about what I saw, he really got angry with me. He says, of all people, to see something, you. <laughs> and so anyway, and I said, well, at least I believe in them now. And so that was how that happened. And that was about it. As the years go by, you hear about this and sightings and things like this. And that was it. And I spoke to maybe one or two people about what I had seen. In um, October, uh, well, it was in, uh, actually, it was in 2012, I was completing the uh, my f- first book. And I had cataract surgery on both eyes. And... Um, I'm laying there, and as those of you who have had cataract surgery, you know that you have to put these drops in your eyes and lay still for 20 minutes with your eyes closed. And I'm listening to nice music. And all of a sudden, the, as George relates to the sound waves, all of a sudden the program is interrupted. And there's, these two men are talking 
about this experience. And I knew at the time that I could not go any further with these books and the other book that was coming without a spiritual strength that I did not have. I, I, I could do meditation, but it was not deep enough. I could, uh, and I was no longer considering myself as a religious person. And uh, I was using uh, Wayne Dyer meditation uh, tapes, and I was using um, really into Eckhart Tolle and the presence of now. So that was my spirituality. But all of a sudden, I'm laying there with these drops in my eyes, and these two men are talking, and all that I could he- remember from them talking, talking about different things, out of body and uh, remote viewing, they were talking about different types of things. I didn't understand any of it, but what I did, uh, but the things I, there was somehow or other, I just knew that I had to find out more about this, and I remember hearing Monroe Institute and Sacred Space. Two things, that neither of which I've ever heard of before. <laughs> and so um, after uh, the 20 minutes, I get up and I Google uh, Monroe Institute, and I'm seeing about all of these different things, and I Google about sacred space and find out it's a radio station. And um, after the, uh, the uh, I get up, the, the music came back on. So I didn't even know who I was listening to, who these people were, and anything about the, what they were talking about. That's how I was introduced to Monroe Institute. And as I'm looking and you do a Google uh, search or a YouTube search, you can find all this information about um, uh, the Monroe Institute and about different people who have experienced this place and all the things it offered. I knew in 2012 that I needed this experience to go any further. But at the time, I couldn't afford it. It was $2,000, and I was busy with um, editing and publishing, and uh, I couldn't afford it. So two years later, in 2014, um, I had mentioned to my sister, I says, I can't go on any further. I'm going to need this experience. I just know it. So I was looking at the different dates that they had in different places, and I really wanted to take it in Virginia because that was the place where they, where they had all started. And I wanted the experience there. Um, so uh, it was planned, and you have to plan ahead of time. And one thing that they ask you is not to go with any expectations, although my expectation was that I hoped I could get deeper into meditation. <laughs> and um, also, the one thing that they ask all of the, the people that go there is, you have to be able to agree with this one statement. Do you believe that there is more to yourself than the physical body? Do you believe there's more to you than your physical body? They don't say oh, what, what, uh, how you're going to interpret that. They don't say that you're going to interpret that religiously or that you're going to believe in whatever. Do you believe with the statement? And if you can agree with the statement and you can go there with an open mind, uh, they'll ex- the, you know, and you, you meet the other credentials that they ask for, um, they'll, um, they'll send you a letter whether you're accepted or not. I was accepted. Went. And... Um, what was amazing about the place when you first go there, you're meeting people from all over the world. It's a small group, around 20, 25 people. They don't accept more than that because they don't have room for more than that. And you're in, when you went into your room, you're, um, you're, it's a very, very intensive program. You're, it's one thing right after another, and it's very intensive for six days. Um, you have absolutely no idea what you're in for, and you're all in the same situation. Some people had taken the program before, and um, the, um, 
you're in a room and you have a uh, your bed is actually like a little chamber and you can see that on YouTube or on the Monroe Pro. You can Google and it'll show you the compartments. It'll show you everything and it'll even show you interviews the with check unit. It's called check unit. Thank check you very unit. much. <laughs> check unit. Yeah, check I was about to say capsule, but anyway, <laughs> check unit sounds much Making better. Making sure that you're not doing any drugs before you go in. <laughs> that's and, right, and right. That's journeying. right. See why it's a good idea having him here. And so anyway, the OEA. <laughs> Um, so we were in the check unit, and uh, uh, it's got a, a, um, a curtain that closes and make the room darker, although there are dimmer switches and different colors, whatever your mood is. And uh, when you're in there and you've got the headphones on, you're laying there, you're ready, you click a switch, and it goes to a main room downstairs where the um, facilitators see that everybody's ready, and you're ready to go. But so anyway, you're, um, what they do is when you go into a room, uh, you all meet together as a group. They tell you what's going to be happening for this first exercise, and then you all go to your rooms and you get yourselves ready. And when somebody is not ready and they're waiting for somebody, they'll say, uh, "Waiting for uh, <clears throat> what you call it in what was it the name you gave." The check unit. Check unit. We're waiting for a check unit uh, seven or six or nine. Uh, now, still waiting for check uh, unit number nine. Ray, and that's you. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, I was in check unit number eight. <laughs> and uh, although they did call me one time, um, so um, when we're all ready, um, they begin the program. You put the headphones on. And uh, the instructions come on, and it's all. And it is a very gradual thing. So you're all, they take you very gradually from one. So they take everybody at the same time. Everybody at the same time. You're all experiencing something. But after the experience, you're told to, um, uh, after the thing, you write down what you can remember. And then you're called to go downstairs, and you meet in a common room, and you share your experiences. What was surprising to me was that absolutely everybody there experienced something different. Mm -hmm. We just went through the same thing.